0: I'm
2: to see how are you gonna shake off the dust ever break free you see them reaching for the stars but you're too slow little do you see it little do you know wishing you can fly but it's clear you're stuck in place never gonna make it to the front just can't keep it No. This is your time To so go and grab the moment Face the world and show it oh, oh, oh.
0: This is your time To show the world the glory Celebrate your story
2: This is your time Have begun. It's clear you're gonna give up the fight to carry on. You feel you're sinking in the sand, can't move along. Those sounds of struggle, they write your song. here time
0: i ja. Sí.
1: the AM It really is a great brand new album Ari Goldwag um that song is called Biyudo and uh the new album is called Yeshli Hakol and um it just a, a lot of great songs a lot of great songs check it out just uh, literally hit the market uh, right after uh, Tishabov uh, Ari Goldwag with Yeshli Akol. You heard his Menucha Vesimcha. May Ein was done by the Weiner brothers. Micha Gamerman's Leil Shabbat medley. Yaakov Shweki, a song called Your Time. Curry Bone, done by Dvekas. We've been doing a lot of Dvekas 5 in the last few weeks of the regular format. Bringing back some of those classic Shabbos selections. And, of course, Regesh, Modati opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this August 7th, to 17th of Menachem Av. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Akev, with candlelighting time at 7.43 in New York. 7.43, official candlelighting time. A lot of places begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 74 degrees, got some rain out there with a high of 81. Clouds and scattered thunderstorms tonight, low 70. And tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 82 degrees. Yushalayim is at 85. Up in Guilford, New York, where there's an empty Camp Missoura campus because of the directive of Governor Cuomo, 58 degrees. In Milford, New Jersey, Missoura 2020 at 67 degrees. And here in New York, 74 on a, a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at J.M. In the AM. Big thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms, Aaron's West Orange. Get there before uh, Shabbos to get what you need on this era of Shabbos at in Queens at Aaron's Casino Farms and in West Orange, New Jersey for Aaron's West Orange. Uh, they sponsored our big contest yesterday, sponsoring our contests all through the month of August and beyond, including our major one coming up at the end of August. So a big thank you to Aaron's from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Happy anniversary number 43 to Joanne and Mendy Erez. 43 years ago today. Mazal tov, Joanne and Mendy Erez from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, lots going on today, by the way. An hour from now, it'll be Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, both Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour and... Rabbi Yudin in the um, in the uh, eight o'clock hour, we'll be discussing Parshas Akev today. Uh, our words of Torah, specifically for Parshas Shavua, are being sponsored by our friends Miriam and Marty Kinecht. Uh, they they are among the select group of people. Actually, I shouldn't say select; a large group of people. Thank God, who over the decades um, always answer our call for support of this show and this amazing network. And they recently donated a uh, an additional 10 times high donation um, uh, to, uh, to our efforts in honor of the uh, Shloshim, in honored memory of uh, Esther Flint. And, of course, uh, both Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin's words this morning will be done in memory of Esther Flint, Esther, Bat, uh, Shlomo, and Tzivya. Um... Uh, we'll, well, we'll be dedicated to Esther Bat, Shlomo and Sivia uh, here at JM in the AM. So today is the day of the Shloshim, and again the uh, the message goes out to the uh, Flint and the uh, Finkel families. Um, uh, that today's Divrei Torah and words about the parsha are being dedicated for the Shloshim of Esther Flint of blessed memory. And again, a big thank you to uh, Miriam and Marty Knecht. Again, people who've been with us for a long, long time and proud friends and supporters of what we do here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, plenty more coming up, so keep it here, everybody. Plus, don't forget the of Shabbos show, yet another encore edition. It's worth listening to over and over. <laughs> I want to thank Mark Zamek. He's done a remarkable job in preparing the Erev Shabbos show every single week, presented by our friends at KEDEM. It'll be coming up again at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time. And you'll have an opportunity to uh, to hear it uh, and to uh, really enhance your Erev Shabbos as we get set for uh, yet another summer Shabbos with our friends in our JM in the AM audience. Chaim Yisrael is next. Thanks for joining us. Friday Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
3: تش تشو مير الجوزله ما كنا له كل حياته كمر امبل بيت هنا بقى بطف غباره اشنا يد بيد اتخا اخين مش مر zoom <laughs> mit
0: I'm not a bad I'm i Na, håll jag mitt danle, man kiss <laughs> och mangina.
1: Shabbos on this Parsha's is candle candlelighting 743 in New York. Boker Tov Olam is Mordechai Shapiro. Derek Achim at Rabim. Chaim Yisrael with Melech Ozer. And here we are at uh, almost 7 o'clock in the morning in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at com and the NachumSegal Network. And of course on the beloved NSNF. 74 degrees, rain, high 81, big weekend coming up including Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami. And Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night. Matis has J.M. Sunday, Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Today, it's going to be the Erev Shabbos show presented by our friends at uh, Kedem and, of course, hosted by Mark Zamek, plus the Erev Shabbos music mix presented by our friends at Kedem. Tune in all day long. You won't regret it all the way until candlelighting time. Nobody is the soundtrack for Erev Shabbos, as Mark Zamek likes to point out, like uh, the Nachum Siegel Network is, to take advantage all day long. Why not? Galeit yeah. in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And plenty more happening, including the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Galeit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Time.
4: Shalom Rav Kantom Weintraub. <laughs> Bloki רחפן חדר הלילה לשטח ישראל באזור הגבול לבנון, סמוך לאר החרמון. הרחפן היה במעקב והופל על ידי כוח צהל. כתבנו הצבאי צחי דאבוש מוסר כי במקום נערכות שריקות. מדובר צהל נמסר, צהל נמצא במוכנות גבוהה בזירה צפונית, ולא יאפשר כל ניסיון להפרת ריבונות מדינת ישראל. טריפות שטח פרצו במרחב המועצה הזורית שער הנגב נבדק חשד שמדובר בהתלקחות כתוצאה מנפילת בלוני תווירה שהופרכו מרצועת עזה. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר כי צוותי כיבוי פועלים להשתלטות על האש. הרב עדין אבן ישראל שטיינזלץ, חתן פרס ישראל, הלך הבוקר לעולמו והוא בין 83. בשעה זו מתחילה הלווייתו בער הזיתים, בנוכחות בני משפחה בלבד בשל מגבלות הקורונה. הרב היה ממייסדי ישיבות מקור חיים, שפע ותקוע, והניג זרם דתי חדש, המשלב בין חסידות לבין העולם המודרני. הוא כתב ספרים ופירושים רבים, המפורסם בהם תרגום תרגומה, תלמוד הבבלי לעברית מודרנית. עליו עמל במשך 45 שנה, והזכה בגינו בפרס ישראל לאחר שסיים את הכתיבה התראיין הרב כאן בגלי וסיפר על התהליך. אני הגיע
5: בין שמונה ותשע ויושב וכותב הימים שלי מתחילים בתשע אז אם יש להם ב צהריים הם בלילה לפעמים יותר יום בזמן שעשיתי את פרויקט אני כתבתי את זה מושבת בין שישים ספרים אחרים.
4: הרב אישה, שלושה ילדים נחדים, נינים, תלמידים הממשלה בנימין נתניהו כתב, אני דואב מעומק ליבי אל פטירתו של הרב, ידען עצום, גאון בתורה ואיש רוח מופלא, חיבורה והחשובים יעמדו לדורות כאבני יסוד של מורשת ישראל, יהי זכרו ברוך, ידע שרקזו כתבנו שחר גליק, מוריה אסרף וולברג ומהיר מרציאנו. ממונה הקורונה פרופסור רוני גאמזו ינחח רשויות אדומות וקטומות מהמגזר החרדי ליפור לצימצום התחלואה בקורונה בשיתחן הבוקר נפגש גם גאמזו עם נציגי הרשויות השונות ואמר כי מטרת הציידי מיליפור יחיד כדיילימנע את לא צגיר אל ארימים שיוור תחלו אגבואה באפגישה אוחלת כי מיום ראשון הקרוב ייפול בכול רשות אדומה וקטומה חמהל שיאבד יוםמם וללילה והתפקידו יהיה לסייע להחיקרות אפידמיולוגיות בדיקות כמו הרשויות יתאמו פינוי מהיר למלוניות. ידיע שמסר כתבנו מהיר מרציאנו. הרשת החברתית טיקטוק עולה למתקפה נגד הממשל האמריקני. בהודעה שפרסמה כתבה, במשך כמעט שנה, אנו מנסים להידבר עם הממשל האמריקני בקום לב, במקום שיתוף פעולה נתקלנו בחוסר תשומת לב לעובדות, בהסכם עם תנאים לא רגילים ובלי מסע ומתן. כעת מהמת החברה לפנות לבית המשפט בארצות הברית, וליטון כי הצו המנהלי של הנשיא טראמפ, נגד קיום עסקים עם החברה אינו חוקי, ידיעה שמסר כתבנו רבלסי. בקנדה נחשפה פרשיית ציקול רצח של קצין מודיעין סעוד שברח מארצו. יורש העצר של סעודיה הנסיך מוחמד בן סלמן שלח חוליית מרצחים להרוג את קצין המודיעין לשעבר, מאחשה שידליף מידע רגיש על לגורמים במערב. תקידי ההגירה הקנדיים חשדו בחוליה, מנעו את כניסתה וכך סוכה לרצח. היום נחשפו פרטי ניסיון החיסול שבוצע לפני כשנתיים בעקבות טביעה שהגישה קצין נגד בן סלמן בוושינגטון. מזג האוויר היום חל ההתחממות נוספת והטמפרטורות מת גבוהות מהרגיל העונה. אלה החדשות.
1: J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Ekev, candlelighting 743 in New York. And uh, Harry Rothenberg in a minute with uh, Parshas Ekev. Um, That was mimkomcha done by Shwebel Sharf and Levine. Yeah, talk about going back in time, huh? <laughs> that is a uh, – oh, sorry about that. Uh, that is a classic that uh, – was a big part of, I guess, the 90s, that album, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, a couple of things I want to mention before we get to Harry's words about Parshus Akiv. Ruf has passed away, many of you know, and by the way, kudos to um, Galaitzal. I thought that was an absolutely beautiful tribute, the way they uh, did their uh, oral obituary of Ruf as they discussed the fact that right now the funeral is taking place on Hara's Eighteen on the Mount of Olives. Uh, Rav Adin Steinsaltz, a prominent figure in the Hasidic Chabad-Libavitch movement, known for translating the Talmud into modern Hebrew, died Friday at the age of 83. Uh, wrote over 60 books, got Pras Israel, the Israel Prize, in 1988. He got down to work, it says here on I-24, on his magnum opus, the Babylonian Talmud translation, at the age of 27. In 2010, the work was over. Wow. <laughs> um Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, based on a Hebrew tweet that he sent out, I mourn from the bottom of my heart the death of Rav Steinsaltz, um, hailing the memory of a formidable scholar, a genius of Torah, and a wonderful man of spirit. Yeah, that does that does wrap that does say it all. I had the the absolute distinct pleasure of meeting Steinzaltz on more than one occasion, including times that he spent in this studio with us. He was such a modest man and such a unassuming person that to visit us here and to take the time to travel and be interviewed live and in person was not something that was beyond his his uh, you know his schedule and. Um, he was just, a, I think the bottom line is that, uh, in addition to his scholarship that was second to none, he was one of the most pleasant people you will ever meet ever treated us here with the most utmost respect and, uh, and fun, frankly, we had a, a good time whenever he would visit us, <laughs> just having an encounter with him. Uh, so we will miss Ruf Steinsaltz and we, uh, as certainly remember him on this Friday morning, as they're literally laying him to rest on Harizetim, the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Um also wanted to mention this coming Wednesday night is my mother's yard site. Five years since her passing, twenty third of Menachemav. Uh, the Shabbos before, traditionally, we certainly remember, acknowledge, and think about those who have uh, who have passed, and whose yard site will be will be observed. Um, uh, that the coming week, and uh, sure enough, uh, Esther Basrab Yosef Halevi, she will be uh, remembered not only on her yard site, we remember her every day, uh, but certainly this is the Shabbos before the yard site, and uh, those who would like to have uh, or make a lachaim in her memory would be most appreciated, Esther Basrab Yosef Halevi. Uh, Harry Rothenberg's words about Parshas Akiv and Rabbi Yudin in the eight o'clock hour on Parshas Akiv today, are being uh, sponsored in memory of Esther Flint, Esther Bachlomo and Sivia, and in honor of the Flint and the Finkel families. Um, as I said earlier, Miriam and Marty Knecht have been uh, friends and supporters of our work for for longer than anybody involved would uh, care to admit. <laughs> And um, they've uh, given an additional donation for 2020 uh, this week, uh, specifically to sponsor uh, Rabbi Yudin. uh, But we've added, of course, Harry's words as well on Parsha's Akif to the memory of uh, Esther Flint, who's a yard site, excuse me, whose Shloshim observance, whose Shloshim observance is today uh, on the secular calendar, Friday, August the 7th. So the Shloshim of uh, Esther Flint, Esther Batshlomo, and Sivia, and... um, we, um, we thank the K'nechs and acknowledge, of course, the Flint's and the Finkel's. And um, with uh, Esther Batschlomo in mind, here's Harry Rothenberg with words about Parshas Ekev at JM in the AM.
5: From this week's Torah portion. You should eat and you should be satisfied and you should bless the Lord your God. That passage forms the basis for the commandment that after we eat bread, we have to say the grace after meals. And now maybe we can understand and appreciate some of the depth and the beauty behind the blessing before and after eating. Before we eat, everything in the world belongs to God. So if I want to eat something, I have to ask God for permission. God, may I have permission to eat this piece of bread? And I rededicate myself to God. I'm saying, in a sense, God, I'd like permission to eat this bread so that I can renew and replenish my energy so that I'll be better able to continue serving you. And then after I eat that bread, I owe a debt of gratitude that I have to fulfill. God, thank you so much for that delicious meal. And now that I've replenished my store of energy, watch how I'm going to use it to continue to serve you. Those blessings, if said properly, should change us. They should make us more polite. We're saying please more often. They should make us more grateful, we're saying thank you more often. And most importantly, they should make us more aware, more aware that God is the source of all blessing. Consider the blessing that we say before we eat bread. We finish the blessing with the phrase, hamotzi lechem min haaretz. We're praising God for bringing bread from the ground. One second. Bread doesn't grow from the ground. You can't go bread picking. To make bread, you've got to Harvest that wheat and then winnow and thresh and sift and bake. All sorts of activities go into making and baking bread. So why do we praise God for bringing bread from the ground? Because we're saying, God, we recognize. Not only did you give us the raw material, you gave us the sun, you gave us the water that we needed for that grain to grow. And then you gave us the ingenuity, the technical and the technological prowess and know-how to be able to convert that grain or that wheat into bread. So in a sense, as far as we're concerned... You brought that bread from the ground. And the more we recognize God as the source of all blessing, the more appropriate it is for him to share more of that blessing with us. So here is the ultimate get-rich-quick scheme. Try taking a few extra moments before you eat, and a few extra moments after you eat, saying the appropriate blessing beforehand, asking God for permission, rededicating yourself to him. And then afterwards, thanking God for giving you everything and telling him, now I'm going to use that strength to serve you. And do it the right way, not by mumbling it, but saying it with the proper intention, saying it, meaning it, thinking about it.
1: Words of Torah uh, with the Parshas, uh, with Harry Rothenberg on uh, Parshas uh, Akev here at JM in the AM uh, in honored memory of Esther Bachlomo, Esther Bachlomo, Esther Flint, who we remember this morning at JM in the AM.
6: Say the half lead, say I it's us, it's you Shall ay min khasseinu Aye, shalayim ir kacheho. Akiyatohu, ba'al ha Yeshuos, ayo ba'al Hai ba, hi
7: leit
0: ein lu be
8: Kibitz was, i Sure.
0: Thank you little <laughs> key.
1: J.M. in the A.M. with Safam, Yigdal Eloki Mim Komchadam by Simcha Leiner. You heard Ritze, That's off the benching tape. Figured after Harry Rothenberg spoke about Birkat Hamazon, spoke about benching, be a good idea to uh, play Ritze, which is what we say on Shabbat, on Shabbos, uh, in uh, Birkat Hamazon. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parsha's Akev, candle lighting 743. Midsummer, Friday, Erev Shabbos here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh happy anniversary number 43 to Joanne and Mendieres celebrating 43 years today on this uh, 7th of August Mazal tov from all of us here at uh, JM and AM sorry about the uh or sorry to report rather about the the news about Riff Steinsaltz who as i said earlier was um one of the greatest examples, not only of Tover scholarship, frankly, and a real game changer for so many and for so much of our Jewish world in the last many, many decades when it comes to the academia side of uh, Talmud and so many other things having to do with Jewish scholarship. Uh, but in addition to that, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. and We've had, uh, we had many encounters with him over the years, including right here in this studio. And uh, I remember them as just such amazing and pleasant visits and uh, a real honor to um, to have gotten to know them a little bit. Mark Zomach reminded me this morning in a text that I once asked him what his favorite passage of Talmud was. And, uh, yeah, he had quite an answer to that question. <laughs> 74 degrees with some rain and a high of 81. JM in the AM a few minutes away from our weekly update. Malcolm Honeline, executive vice chairman Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations is going to join us for the uh, weekly update here at JM in the AM. We'll have that for you coming up. And the Rabbi Yudin, of course, on uh, Parsha's Akev. Don't forget the Arab Shabbos show presented by our friends at Kedem, hosted by the amazing Mark Zamek. It's all going to be coming up. Uh, it's all going to be coming up um starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, followed by the Arab Shabbos music mix, also presented by Kedem all day long here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Shlomo Katz, J.M. and the A.M. (laughs)
9: Did it did it die, did it lily did did it did I lie? Did I lie? Did lie? Did I lie? Did Did I lie? Did lie? Did I Oh, Oh,
3: We have to
1: J.M. and the AM Friday, it's Lenny Solomon and Company, Simchat Chaim, here at J.M. and the AM. Anapoli, Shlomo Katz from his 40 for 40. He's releasing literally 40 songs in honor of his 40th birthday. And I think that's song number four, right? I think that's the fourth one that's come out in that series, which will have, please God, 36 more, (laughs) believe it or not. Um, that Shlomo Katz brand new here. At JM in the AM. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Have that aha moment. Get it? AH. Thank you, Mendieres, for that. <laughs> Seth Levin of AH actually liked that reference a lot. Um, Abels and Hyman kosher hot dog sausage and deli is the world's best serving the kosher world since nineteen fifty four, available at a kosher supermarkets nationwide. Hot dogs available in every Trader Joe's nationwide and Enjoy a 10% discount when using promo code radio at kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, promo code radio. By the way, speaking of promo code, uh, as you know, earlier in the week, Peas, Love, and Carrots, Danielle Renoff was with us uh, yesterday. She was on Miriam uh, L. Wallach's show. Uh, it's obviously one of the hottest uh, sellers in the Jewish world at the moment, the the cookbook. And um, when you order it at artscroll.com Always, or, or order anything, frankly, at artsgirl.com. Always use promo code radio. You never know. Even if they've discounted everything already, even if they're offering specials for something that just uh, was released, uh, you may get free shipping or some other benefits. Always use promo code radio. You can check out the cookbook and everything else at artsgirl.com. Again, use promo code radio. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us every Friday morning at this time. For the weekly update at JM and the AM, Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM.
10: Well, thank you. Good morning. Do I get a hot dog at least on it?
1: You know, you deserve (laughs) a care package. You actually do deserve... I'll try to keep that in mind. Okay. (laughs) Especially during this grilling season. How could I, with you holed up in your house for so many months, how could I not think of sending you something to put on the grill and enjoy? Uh, during one evening. You're right. Uh, Absolutely. And I'll
10: give an aha moment.
1: And you'll give an aha moment. You've (laughs) called me out publicly, (laughs) and I have to respond accordingly. That's for sure. Um, By the way, speaking of, since I mentioned being holed up where you are, uh, do you have power where you are? Because people around the world who are tuned in may not realize that over half a million New Yorkers and New Jerseyans are still without power since Tuesday's storm.
10: Yeah, it's it's really quite remarkable. I did not have any problems, thank God, uh, but uh, my daughter and Teenek did, and I know there were flashing lights in a lot of places. But um, oh, uh, yeah. you know that so much damage could be done. I mean, there really should be some accountability about preparedness and on the part of the utilities.
1: By the way, a golden opportunity for you and I, and and you never rightfully give up the opportunity to laud the Chesed organizations, and just general individuals and families who are responding, because a lot of very heavily Jewish neighborhoods, including Lakewood and others, are under terrible uh, situations now with no power, some being told it's going to be way until next week before power is restored. But again, Malcolm, you've seen and heard our community jump into action to help others.
10: Mikam kam is true. At any moment of need... You see how the community responds. It's really quite remarkable, as always. But it's the standard that is set for us by uh, our Abbas Nimals, and it's been carried through all the generations in the most difficult of times and in the best of times. And, the um, you know, we, we think of those who, who uh, always have it much worse than we do.
1: Yeah, no question. Well said. Um, I, uh, frankly, and I, I'm going to acknowledge it one more time as I, as, I, as I change subjects, I am amazed at what Galitzal did this morning regarding the uh, oral obituary of Ravadin Steinsaltz. I could not believe how accurate it was and how laudatory it was. Um, I have been saying, uh, Malcolm, that of all the great scholars I've had the opportunity to speak to, Steinsaltz always insisted on coming into the studio. It was never beneath him to come visit us, to have a schmooze and a conversation. I think a lot of people don't realize that in addition to his academic prowess, he had a wonderful sense of humor and incredible an incredible way uh with an incredible way uh, about him when it came to interacting with other people.
10: Yeah, his personal life story is is really quite amazing and his uh, scholarship, his, uh, the contribution he made and remained always very humble, uh, great humility. Uh, we also lost uh, last night Rabbi Kalimnik in, in Rochester. Right, a good friend. I mean, another really legend at that period, and also a guy who did so much, built a community there.
1: Yeah, no question. Legendary figures, uh, no doubt about it. And with Steinzaltz what was one of the more heartwarming things I heard on Israeli radio was they actually acknowledged and what a what a reputation it is to have these days. The the bridge. Uh, that he formed between uh, secular and religious, between Haredi and modern, et cetera, uh, both with his scholarship and, again, with his personality, winner of Pras L, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all that true. And, and these days, frankly, if you could be seen as a uniter instead of a divider, that's a really big thing. 100%.
10: And, uh, there are too many who who are looking to to exploit the divisions in our community, yep. and we too often contribute to it by our words and deeds. And we have to know if you look at the challenges of the world today, and the the issues that we discuss, and there's so many you can't fit them into not into this, not into two hours and three hours. We do these webinars um, during the week for our organizations and our leadership. You can't even begin to scratch the surface. There are just so many serious challenges on the horizon, and now, both domestically and internationally. Yeah, and we is. need to to look at resources and husband them and and join together if we're going to be effective for the next generation.
1: All right. A lot of issues to discuss, and you could imagine how many listeners were in touch with me to make sure I would ask you certain questions this week. So it's not just me uh, with the list in front of me. It's a lot of them as well. Um, what can you tell us about what happened in Beirut this week?
10: It was a big boom. It was uh, uh, an amazing, and, and for those who have seen the videos of it, but I, I have friends in Beirut who, with whom we've been in touch because I was checking on the status of the synagogue, uh, which was badly damaged. It had been rebuilt just recently for 4 or $5 million was invested by Former uh, residents of Beirut, Jewish residents, and yeah. it was in that area. Uh, whether it was destroyed or just damaged is is yet to be determined. But it was certainly very badly damaged, and the home, at least of one of the Jewish families, was destroyed. Uh, you know, there's a long history associating Hezbollah with this ammonium nitrate. I know how many people remember that um, it, the, in 2015. The British police carried out a raid on a secret Hezbollah warehouse in London that had three tons of ammonium nitrate that they were going to use uh, for raids. But the British government didn't talk about it because they didn't want to endanger the signing of the JCPOA, which tells you priority sometimes. And that same year in Cyprus, 8.3 tons were found, and they were going to use that for attacks against, and they caught a a guy and he admitted they were going to use it for attacks against Israeli interests in in uh, in Cyprus, and then in, in this year, German police raided a place in southern Germany based on information from Mossad, and they found also a huge stockpile of this ammonium nitrate. It is, um, it is a dangerous material. The amount that they found there was a multiple of what was used to blow up Uh, Oklahoma City, I think 10 times what they used in Oklahoma City. There was uh, three or four times what was used to blow up the marine barracks. The guy in charge of the port is Nasrallah, the head of Hezbollah's brother-in-law. And this uh, nitrate was taken off a ship, I think a Moldovan ship that was on its way to Africa, that was seized by the Lebanese authorities, and then Hezbollah took it from them and were responsible for it. Uh, the accountability issue will be a very big one because there were demonstrations going on in Tripoli and Beirut before this. The economy is in free fall. This is pre-explosion, and the um, there were the people were demanding uh, the government change, and many of them even picketed Nasrallah's house. They had hung a big sign and said, do you have electricity? Because in many parts of Beirut even, they were only having three, four hours of electricity a day, and they were uh, coming to his luxury building and said, and had this big sign across the street, "Do you have electricity?" So this is uh, coming at a time of real upheaval in in um, side Lebanon. Uh, General Aoun has now broken with who who used to be head of the Christian forces as the president, and he he broke with Hezbollah, even though that you know he, he's a very mercurial fellow. In, in any event, and the. The story of what happened here will be one that will be investigated, but the damage is so extensive that it looks like Dresden has maybe a quarter of a million people without housing and the the economic losses running into many 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 billions of dollars uh and maybe hopefully this could bring about some sort of a of a change some sort of an accounting for Hezbollah, which has really been draining the country, and you know everything is fungible, which is why we don't, uh, people, and people have opposed giving uh, both IMF money, uh, International Monetary Fund, uh, funding to Lebanon, because it's all fungible. And as long as Hezbollah is part of the government, the U.S. will not support it. And also, there's been a lot of pressure not to give weapons to the um, Lebanese armed forces even though some argue it's the only counter, but the fact is that today Hezbollah permeates the entire government, it controls the country, and uh, we will see what what the ramifications will be.
1: And the point being that the storage of this stuff then becomes a priority, meaning that that, that's among the most important things to those who are running the place.
10: You know, in Israel there's been a long debate because in Haifa there was an ammonium uh, facility, and that was a lot better control, and this was liquid ammonium, and it's now been diffused around different parts of the country. Uh, but there was an awareness that this could have been a target. Hezbollah has threatened to blow up, and Nasrallah in particular talked about the ammonium facilities in, in the Haifa area, Haifa Bay, just as he has the oil rigs. Um, so it's, it's a warning to remind people that this stuff is is can be set off easily. It has to be properly stored. It needs an ignition item. It doesn't just explode. uh, But it could have been anything. And we don't know all the facts. You know, this port was being used by Iran to ship weapons because they couldn't do it through Syria as Israel was eliminating it in that way. So they were coming through the the port to provide uh, weapons to Hezbollah. And there were some who said that, that there's something there might have happened we don't know yet all of the triggers and all of the you know what other things were involved but it's been a it's been a focus of attention for a long time
1: um it, it was it left as you said the uh, 5000 injuries 157 confirmed deaths over a quarter million uh homeless the um it, 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 and you said it needs some type of ignition. Was it an innocent fire, an accidental fire that ignited this?
10: It can even happen internally that um, that fumes arise and it hits something, some electrical spark or something in the, in the facility. But there were three different explosions and three different type of things because you see the the high rising one then you see the big red explosion, then you see the mushroom cloud of a of a light white color the, the It shows that there were three different explosions the different materials and we'll have to know we'll have to find out with time about what what was there and and how it happened but it's um you know it came within days of the the hague ruling two days earlier the hague uh, uh, Were to was to rule the International Criminal Court about the Hezbollah operatives involved in the 2005 bombing that killed then Prime Minister Hariri in Lebanon and 21 other people. Uh, so initially, some people thought that this was related to that or it was, you know, a diversion for other purposes or something. I mean, there's so much speculation. About what happened
1: yeah well where where are you on the on the accident versus suspicious scale
10: well I, I I won't speculate because i you know I know what i know and and what i've heard from people that i I trust and everybody, even the best experts i mean they all have different uh, views whether we'll actually know the truth whether the Lebanese government will ever be free to to Tell us is, is a big question. We don't know that they, you know, because of Hezbollah's dominance and they control the scene there, they rushed in right away. There were motorcycles, which is Hezbollah's means of, of transportation for the terrorists, moved in quickly to, to seize the location. Uh, so we'll see whether, how much of the truth we actually get at some point.
1: Uh, have international agencies or other countries offered to help and try to rebuild?
10: The area? Sure, everybody. The President of France was there yesterday. Uh, he brought two plane loads of uh, volunteers' material. Uh, there will be demands that the IMF money be released. There will be other um, demands. The United States has offered assistance. Israel offered assistance. Their hospitals were virtually pleading with them to send people there, sent foreign nationals from there, they don't have to send Lebanese, and they, of course, refused. And um, But the international community, obviously, there's been uh, a response to this. But, you know, people are reluctant to give uh, assistance if they don't know exactly where it's going to end up. They don't want it to end up in the coffers of um, Hezbollah, which has been suffering for the cutback of funding from from Iran because of their internal and their financial situation.
1: Yeah, and I I know you addressed this already, but I want to just make it clear. When Nasrallah threatens to blow up storage facilities like this one, that are in israel are you saying he could easily do it and by easily i don't mean in terms of getting through israeli security and military easily meaning that literally if he's able god forbid to get some type of ignition process there the entire place goes up
10: well there, there are people who are concerned that's why they they limited the activity in haifa and it was a, a matter of great concern because uh, safety measures were taken it's not ammonium nitrate that's being stored there. It's ammonium. Um, but he has threatened it, and the, in, the, in the same seriousness with which he take the threat against the other locations that he has uh, said, including Tel Aviv, because now they have, he has 150,000 missiles. If they're launched, it's said that they will launch 3,000 a day for countless days. Some of them will get through because Iron Dome can't intercept all of them. And there's, by the way, big news on Iron Dome, that uh, Raytheon and um, and uh, the, uh, the Israeli manufacturer of the uh, Iron Dome, IADMI, made an agreement now, uh, Israel Air, Air, Aircraft Industries, they made an agreement now to set up a manufacturing plant in the United States so that they will be deployed here in greater number. It's uh, further evidence of the cooperation in addition to all the joint exercises and everything that still go on uh, between the two countries, so that's um, uh, an interesting thing. But the Iron Dome that Israel has, they don't have enough batteries to blanket the country. And if there was a real assault by Hezbollah, you know, they have all these weapons in people's homes, which has now become a big issue. And Uh, You know, both internationally and within Lebanon, because they're saying if those things could explode, so could these uh, rockets that are placed in people's homes. And it's true even in Beirut that uh, the rockets were located inside people's homes. There were 28 locations that were identified just last month where uh, rockets were stored in civilian areas they,
1: they care so little about people they care so little about life I know we have made this point a million times over the years but it's just unbelievable when you look at the attitude they have toward life
10: that's right and they they sacrifice young people yep. uh, Hezbollah has done it all the time their own and others uh, and they become used. Iran uses Hezbollah. They're really a sacrificial lamp for for Iran, where they don't want to use their own troops. They send Hezbollah, whether it's to the militias and to to go to um, Libya, or their involvement around the world in different in in Iraq and in Syria. They don't send their own troops to die. Right. And it's this disregard for human life that is really so astounding.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, humor me for a moment on the suspicious side. Um, There were reports about Iranian planes immediately going and carrying something to Beirut. What what do you think? I mean, was that a rescue mission or was that, uh, you know, (laughs) a coincidence or could could it be, uh, you know, something having to do with a delivery of certain weapons?
10: well it could be uh, it could be anything because there are regular flights all the time between mm-hmm. Lebanon and in Iran and that that is a supply route for them as i said because the ground route which is better from, and for, especially for shipping these big devices the fact is that the effort to to put on the guidance systems that's what a lot of this is about to make the rockets they have in in Lebanon more accurate because when they fire them they have no real direction. Only about 10% of the rockets, I think, have these systems. Israel has done a lot to stop it. As you know, there were two incursions across the Israeli border. Both of them were stopped. In the second case, the first case, they just fired warning shots, et cetera, and scared them back across the border. In the second case, they took out a cell and at least four people were killed, Israel also hit a variety of other uh, targets within Syria that that are identified with Iran and Iran's uh, efforts to build infrastructure there. Uh, The conflict between the parties in in, in Syria is very interesting because Russia has moved its militias, according to reports, into some of the areas held by Iranian militias closest to Israel, Uh, although the Russians did issue a warning to Israel about its flights in Syria, which they've done... uh, uh, periodically, there have also been big demonstrations in syria against against the government uh, ongoing demonstrations because eighty percent unemployment the economy complete collapse, the fraud that the people identify the failure to really um, of the government to function in any serious way uh, it, it is symbolic of what is happening throughout the region where Currencies, uh, whether even Turkish, or uh, but certainly the Iranian currency. Uh, uh, Yemen is completely uh, collapsed economically. Uh, Syria, certainly Lebanon. Uh, it's uh, wow. the, the situation is so volatile, and people, you know, don't look at it. But if I can just take one second, sure. if you look in Karabakh, where you have Turkey and Azerbaijan, and Armenia, and the Russians, and all Turkey, everybody involved. You have this situation in Yemen, where it's Saudi Arabia and Iran, but at least eight countries involved, including Russia, including Iran, including Turkey, including others. the Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt, now very close to a conflict situation over the building of the big Ethiopian dam up in the Nile and blocking part of the Nile, and that also involves a lot of foreign powers. The situation in Libya... Which is ostensibly, you know, between the two parties in <laughs> Libya, but each is backed by at least four or five of the powers, both the not regional a, outside. There's, there's not a stable country on this planet. <laughs> no, but what, what what's important is Nahum is that nobody in the media even covers yep. these things. Each of which is a potential nuclear explosion in terms of involving multiple parties. The Egyptian parliament authorized Egypt to send troops to the, Lib- to the Libyan border to stop the Turks who were trying to advance on Sirte. the, the um, uh, There was a shooting between Armenia and Azeri troops uh, outside of Nagar Karabakh. There were, I mean, each of these things, and it's only some of them, which are uh, potentially uh, explosive, and and yet the media... Is there And the fact is that in many of this, America is not present.
1: Yeah, no question about it. They're not taking a leadership role on this. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at MalcolmSegal.com and the Malcolm Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Uh, they made a big deal this week about Qatar's royal family selling arms to Hezbollah. Do they normally not do that?
10: No, Qatar is um, working with everybody. Um, They they will sell uh, sell weapons. You know, they're involved in Gaza, some of it in cooperation with Israel, but supporting Hamas. Uh, They work together with Turkey. They're on the wrong side of most of those conflicts. They're involved in Libya. They're involved in Yemen. They're involved in many other places. Um, Qatar, um, you know, in some ways, America, we have a big base there. uh, But the America, that is um but they are are generally playing a destabilizing role As you know they 're in an open conflict versus uh, Saudi Arabia and the u a e one of numerous intra arab conflicts but uh or Muslim but he there uh it 's been pretty pretty pronounced uh, the fact that it hasn 't exploded more widely is interesting, and they do a lot of things through proxies but Qatar has been lined up with Iran and um uh, you know they sponsor Al Jazeera, which has been uh, a propaganda network in in most instances. So it's not surprising that uh, Qatar is involved.
1: Let me uh, g- give me a second here to read these four lines. You mentioned the damage before, and uh, speaking of Beirut, it says the following: Tucked away in Wadi Abu Jamil, a neighborhood near downtown Beirut, is the only standing Jewish synagogue in Lebanon, and its renovation is almost finished. The Magain Avraham Synagogue, built in 1925, was abandoned and closed down a year after the start of Lebanon's civil war in 1976. And Malcolm, the, the photos are stunning. What a beautiful building.
10: It's a beautiful building. It was foreign families, many of them who used to be very prominent uh, Lebanese Jewish families, contributed. Uh, I think the the, the the number that sticks in my mind is 4 to $5 million. Wow and uh it there unfortunately is no Jewish community. there were no services held there, and there was nobody to daven there but the um uh, the, the facility itself was uh was magnificent, and many tourists would go there uh, and Unfortunately, from the reports we have it, it was damaged
1: you know what comes to mind during this cancelled culture? is that look at that a a synagogue building that most people know is really not going to be used at all in the near future as you just indicated still it's so important to the people the jewish lebanese people who are from that region uh to 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 maintain it to renovate it to make it look beautiful and preserve it and its history that does say something about our people uh especially in these times
10: and there was talk about trying to rebuild the the community and you know people years ago uh, the were coming back and people uh, Europeans bought summer places in, in Beirut. when I visited it the first time uh, and it it was a magnificent place, and all the wealthy Arabs would come there as soon as they had life and you know now it's um, under hezbollah and the uh, deterioration of the country, of course has um, Beirut reflects that.
1: They'd destroy it all at some point.
10: But it was a beautiful city, and it had a very vibrant Jewish community, and they remained there throughout the wars and the conflicts um, and functioned.
1: I remember as a kid that it was regarded as the go-to place, you know, for the people who wanted that exotic vacation and stuff, like, you know.
10: Um, Yeah, now it's very exciting. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Now it will be quite a vacation, to say the least. A bill Democratic and Republican senators plan to introduce Thursday, I'm assuming that happened yesterday, would ban the sale of advanced armed drones to any nation that's not a close ally ally of the United States, according to lawmakers and congressional aides. Senators from both parties say President Trump cannot be allowed to help drone technology proliferate, and they want it to be kept away from Saudi Arabia in particular. Do you agree with these lawmakers?
10: Look, the arms sales issue is a, is a very sensitive issue in our relationships with countries. I mean, there are so many that have mixed records, let's say, on human rights or on other considerations. But um, the technology is available from many other sources. Russia fills the void. China fills the void. Mm, we see point. that now in the negotiations with Iran, that if the uh, arms embargo is lifted and that and Pompeo is introducing a resolution about that at the United Nations, a new resolution, not just uh, one that would extend the existing in- embargo and remember that this is only phase one, phase two would come in twenty three which is just a blink away, and that would re- re- remove all the restrictions on the ballistic missile systems in iran uh, and so the um, um, you know we see that the Russians and Chinese are going to veto. Virtually any resolution at the UN that limits Iran's abilities, because they're sitting there with deals to set jet fighters, drones, everything else. There are multiple sources, Israel sells drones to numerous countries. And there should be standards, but I think Saudi Arabia to a large degree um, certainly has been allied with the United States in most of the conflicts. And its stability is is a vital U.S. interest because of the energy we get from there and because of the role within the region. And it can be used to to try to encourage, uh, you know, arms sales can be used as a positive way, too, to encourage uh, um, countries to move in the right direction.
1: Uh, we moved to Israel, where it does seem to me, unless I'm making too big of a deal of this, that the prime minister had a little bit of a better week this week. I don't know; maybe that's just an impression I have. You could tell me if I'm right or wrong. But also to talk about the vaccine in Israel, I mean, how does this work? You know, when when you have multiple countries and the U.S. sponsoring certain projects when it comes. To a vaccine, how does Israel get involved in that process? Are they are they just doing parallel work with all this human testing starting in October in Israel? Are they doing parallel work, and it's simply who gets to the finish line first?
10: Essentially, by the way, that is true. But it, but uh, Israel is part of those programs, and some companies get support as well. Um, there are all over the world efforts. To, to get to be the first across the finish line. I think there are a lot of people who are prematurely announcing um, that they have solutions or vaccines or believe that they, they will test even when it's only very preliminary tests before they've been tested on human beings uh... It's very important. The investment is is huge. Com- companies have gotten a billion dollars in, in advances to to help expedite the uh, the development, and the FDA has given approval for drugs and processes to short circuit the uh, the length of the testing period, et cetera. So that also means that you can get premature announcements about the things that um, are produced or, or on the horizon. Uh, so I think people should wait and see before they give, they invest too much in some of the things. You know, people wanted to buy the drugs right away before they're even uh, manufactured, and the uh, you know it's understandable. This is a, a worldwide phenomenon, and the threat of a, of a second or third shift in countries, including here, and uh, you see that in the United States, the number of, of deaths and the number of uh, people being still being infected. Nobody should put the guard down. Everybody's got to sustain it. It's really important. Um, I don't know that this was a better week for Netanyahu. I think to the contrary, it wasn't a very good week. The demonstrations we'll see this weekend, but every week they grow. Again, you know, the fact that 10,000 people or 15,000 or some estimates went up to 30, 50, and there were a couple 100 demonstrations around the country, Um, but I think that the uh, overall political situation, you see the polls um, demanding uh, that uh, that would not be uh, greatly supportive of, uh, of the prime minister, although the could still would be the largest party and the right would be dominant in if an election was held. I don't think that uh, the opposition and certainly blue and white uh, faction within the um, government wants to go to an election because it would fare poorly. Uh, but it's it's the political instability that is um, troubling, and the fight is over the budget, and they did not move on it. I'm not sure the prime minister wants it. I think that then triggers uh, the election, which will be held in December, so the fourth election in a year and a half. It's very demoralizing for the people. Uh, they you know, and the unemployment, the uh, economic impact in Israel, which was not true the first in the first period, but it is true now, and they have, and thank God, the highest morbidity rate um per capita of, of those who get sick. Um and it is beginning to be contained and hopefully it will be. Uh but that didn't help him either. Uh so you know, they're all people are looking at the election in November and, and and speculating about what the impact of that would be to, uh, what the various outcomes could could um impact him and, and you know, Israel is in still the island of stability in, in the region. They see all of these threats going on around them, and yet they they are uh, sustaining the position, they're defending, they're offering assistance, they are uh, playing an important role. I, I just have to say, I think there's one really significant thing this week that, again, th- doesn't get much attention, but the, the Israeli and the German air forces did a joint exercise this week in Germany, and they flew over Dachau and the Munich Olympic Village to pay tribute to the 30,000 Jews who were murdered in Dachau at the Nazi concentration camp, and the Israeli uh, athletes, the 11 who were killed by Palestinian terrorists in the Munich Massacre of 1972. So they're going to make history, planning this, and they're going to make history in September when they're supposed to have this joint exercise with their German counterparts, and we'll do the the flight. There were three F-15s that once flew over Auschwitz uh, years ago during an Israeli Air Force visit. But I think this symbolically, what you said before about the history and about remembering, and and they're all being done in a COVID-19 compliant way. Am
1: I right that that flyover you just referenced was during March of the Living, or am I wrong about that? Uh,
10: no, it wasn't during March of the Living. <clears throat> it was during a, uh, a visit of Israeli Air Force, and the Polish government didn't want to give them permission <clears throat> to fly, but they did it anyway, and the picture is one of the most iconic pictures, I yeah. think, of the last... The post-Holocaust period.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, a couple, I, I know we always debate about <laughs> whether we you should spend your time on these local issues with us, but there are people who are asking me, Dafka, specifically to ask you about two things. Number one, uh, the the policy that's now been implemented in New York City in terms of those who are uh, coming into New York and uh, and how it plays as a, uh, a violation of civil rights, or it's not a violation of civil rights because of the, the because of the importance of the health matters that are going on. Do, do, do you have an impression of this new regulation in New York City?
10: So, uh, as you know, the local issue is not my forte, right. but uh, <laughs> but like everyone else, I have to live with the consequences of it. Correct. <laughs> and As a resident of the city, uh, I, I, I'm very concerned about the future, knowing the people who are may not return and the loss of the based in this uh, threat to, to super-tax wealthy people is only going to exacerbate it. So if you want an opinion on some of those things, I'm, I think it's short-sighted and, and uh, foolish that to, to some of the comments and I think the governor um, objecting to it is right because many of these people, they're the ones who have the options and they've seen now that they can operate remotely and no reason for them to pay the super-high taxes here in New York City and um, we cannot afford... The, the losses, and I, I have many friends in real estate who tell me that, you know, apartments are not renting. That will come back, I'm sure, but it's, um, And we should not do things that further harass and and give people the incentive to, to leave the city or not to come back. And I think that the it's not an implementable policy. I know many people who have driven into New York, and I've checked with them over the last 24 hours. And the vast majority, I think, was an over 90% said that they were not stopped, they were not checked. I do know some. Uh, and the person was somebody uh, who held, holds an important position. And so I forgot what the term that they use is, that... Uh, he was an essential person. Uh, that's the term. Uh, so, uh, but but it's not possible to to check everybody coming in. Are you going to line up people at the Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel, the bridges? Uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, coming in from the Gothels or, or uh, the Verrazano? It's just not an implementable policy. I think there can be cautions, and if they're not doing it at the airports, as I hear, they're not. And and everybody finds ways. To circuitous routes to bypass it when they get word of, of uh, people checking.
1: Yeah, I hear that. And finally, how did, how did the listener put it? Uh, how should how should the Jewish community of the United States react when a an important public official wants to disband the NRA?
10: <laughs> <clears throat> well. Um... Well, it's the Attorney General of New York who, who is talking about taking legal action. We'll see if that's even feasible. Uh, the IRA, NRA is clearly, uh, the National Rifle Association, a, a target. It has been long. But the, this is not about their policies. This is about internal corruption that, that she's charging. That could be just a, a cover for, for going after them because of their political positions, because of their advocacy at a time when we see. Um, you know, people being killed, but we should look at other sources for that as well. Uh, and concerns about the um, um, the rise of of uh, um, homicides in New York and in other big cities, and the way police are being treated, and the disincentives, the the, the rise of suicides amongst police, and the resignations, um, the the idea that somehow the police become the enemy and and gives only the murderers and others uh, what they feel is a pass to, to get out of jail free card which they're all getting and it's not hypothetical or a reference to monopoly it's the reality yeah. and i think it's a combination of all those factors that people have to look at uh, to see how and and if it, 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 we've let the society become lawless and that is something we as a jewish community and people in new york generally and this in minority communities feel the same i hear it from them um, look, we we have a lot of fronts to be concerned about the rise of extremism and terrorism, uh, of, of, of crime, but also of anti-Semitism, and sometimes coming from people of note, often out of ignorance, even more than malice, some out of malice. We see the influence that Farrakhan has, which to me is one of the most disturbing aspects and one of the common factors among some of those who have spoken out. Uh, I have met with one of those and people, and um, a very famous one. And he is not an anti-Semite. He is not a hater of Jews. He actually is um, quite knowledgeable and uh, talked about his tshuva uh, and others who have it and others who pay lip service. It's not these apologies. We want to know what they're going to do. People have to be held to account, just as we are. For our words, and we, our community has to be careful. There are incidents sometimes that are, are unfortunate. Um, people have to think beyond the moment and, and an immediate response. But we're in, living in a very sensitive time, and people have to be very wise about the words they use, the references they make. And it's a time when we have to look to the future. What's going to happen in September? How are we going to sustain the yeshivas? How are we going to sustain our institutions? I got a call yesterday uh, about a synagogue on the west coast, uh North Atlantic synagogue that's closing, wow. and and it's not going to be alone. And the JCCs and others, any fee based institution, is today uh, on the brink, and, and it's it's hard to believe this. And, and this is a, not a poor community, uh, but they just can't sustain it. They're, they'll continue a minion there, but I'm worried, very worried about what's going to happen with our schools, what's going to happen with the whole spread of institutions, and especially if this continues and the economic impact, especially if some of the big donors, uh, could be adverse. So we have a lot of things to be concerned about, and to be, and, and it only underscores the need for achdus, that nope. we have to be together and work together. No
1: question about it. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week.
10: My pleasure. It'd be well. Have a good Shabbos.
1: Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the A.M. Arab Shabbos Parshas Akiv with candlelighting at 7.43 in New York. Happy anniversary to Joanna Mendieres. 43 years. Happy anniversary from all of us here at JM in the A.M. 22 minutes after 8 o'clock today. Uh, our presentation of uh, Rabbi Yudin's words on the Parsha Shavuah, Parsha Akev, uh, are being sponsored by uh, Miriam and Marty Knecht. As I said earlier in the show, the Knecht family has been connected with this network for longer than any of us would care to admit, uh, and they are among that group of people that's always uh, looking for a reason, Baruch Hashem, to support us and keep us going. And they've given an additional donation of ten times high in addition to what they've already given during our 2020 campaign. Um, in order to sponsor Rabbi Yudin's Parsha Shear today, today is the Shloshim for uh, Esther Flint of Blessed Memory. Today is the Shloshim of Esther Flint, Esther Batshlomo, Esther Batshlomo and Tzivia. Uh, and, um, and Rabbi Yudin's words will be uh, in memory of uh, Esther Bachlomo on this Shloshim of Esther Flint and, of course, uh, dedicated to the Flint and Finkel families who've uh, suffered this loss of uh, Esther, uh, who they remember fondly, of course, and whose shloshim is being observed today. So again, to the uh, Flint and Finkel families, we wish you only smachot, only happy occasions in the future. And uh, today we uh, dedicate uh, Rabbi Yudin's words to the memory of Esther Flint, Esther Shlomo on the occasion of um, the shloshim being observed today. And again, our thanks to uh, the K'necht family, Miriam and Marty, from all of us here at J.M. In the AM, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation at Shomrei Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow
11: we have the privilege of reading Pashas Ekev. According to the Chinuch, Pashas Ekev has eight mitzvos, six positive and two restrictions included among the positive is the mitzvah of tefillah, found towards the end of the parsha, the mitzvah of praying, according to the Rambam, once a day, every day. And we have in parshas Ekev the mitzvah of birkas ha a blessing and thanking God after our eating a meal which had bread in it, and the Torah says, V'okhalta, uverachta. You shall eat, you shall be satiated, and you shall bless. Just know that in the entire Torah, there are only two blessings that we are called upon to recite. One is Birkas HaMazon, which we will talk about. And the second one is Birkas Torah. Birkasa Torah is found in Parshasa Azinu, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Havugoda Lelokeinu. Prior to my studying Torah, I give thanks and praise to Hashem. Now, interestingly, the Chinuch points out that when it comes to Birkasa HaMazon, we are not obligated to recite a blessing. From the Torah until after we eat. So the blessings of Birkas HaMazon after the meal are biblical. The blessing that we recite before the meal, if we wash our hands on the tilas Yadayim, but the blessings over the food, the bracha Rishona, Hamot Lechem Min and all other blessings, they are rabbinic. So when it comes to a meal, we bless God afterwards. When it comes to Torah, we bless Hashem before. Why is that? So the Chinuch says that Hashem knows man. And therefore, in terms of being grateful for a meal, one can truly be grateful only after he has partaken and enjoyed it. However, when it comes to something not physical but spiritual, we can already anticipate the excitement. We can already anticipate the privilege that we have in studying God's Torah and therefore when it comes to Berkasa Torah, we recite the bracha prior to our learning Torah. Just know that there are three categories of brachos before we eat before we perform a mitzvah. The mezuzah on your door is a biblical mitzvah. The blessing that we recite before we put the mezuzah on the door, that is rabbinic. And so too with all mitzvahs. Before you put on your tefillin, the tefillin are biblical and the blessing is rabbinic. When women light Shabbos candles. It is a rabbinic mitzvah and a rabbinic blessing. The third category of blessing is that of Shevach V'hoda'ah, praise and thanksgiving. When we use the bathroom, Asher Yotzar, when there's thunder and lightning, etc. These blessings are rabbinic, namely Shevach Vodah, praise and thanksgiving to Hashem. So, I'd like to just analyze and try to give you some additional insights into the special mitzvah of Birkas HaMazon, because even if you are on a diet all week long, and you're watching your intake of bread, when it comes to Shabbos and Yom Tov, on Shabbos, Friday night, and Shabbos lunch, for sure, you must wash. It is most preferable to wash and bench as well for shalosh suudos. So, the idea is, let's stop and ask ourselves the following: Why is it that when it comes to pirkas hamazon, I don't want to say it but too many are misrashil. They unfortunately don't appreciate, don't realize, don't take advantage of this incredible opportunity of connecting with Hashem and we know that before we recite Shemona Esrei which, let me tell you, might very well be rabbinic. That's correct even though we said there's a mitzvah to pray once a day, every day, but not necessarily must it be done with the Shemona Esrei. So, whereas when it comes to tefillah, so we all understand how important it is to have kavanah in tefillah, so perhaps, no question, the fact that oftentimes it's in a Besach in a shul, oftentimes it's with a minion, that that will certainly help and realize what I'm doing. And here, gewalt, I'm at my kitchen table. I'm at my dining room table. And too often, especially during the week, there are so many other distractions that could be going on. But just stop for a second. That if your phone was ringing, during philo you wouldn't know because you shouldn't have it anywhere near you. But even if... It happened to be near you. There's no question that during your Shemona Esrei, you would not motion to anybody with your hands, with your mind, uh, with your head, any kind of a gesture. And ouch, when it comes to Birkas Hamazon, and there's a phone call, and you're benching, and they say it's for you, so you motion with your head. You mo- no, you can't do that. You have to understand that literally, even though you might be sitting you are in front of Hashem at that time. And it's a terrible thing that too many squander this opportunity. Think about it. The Gemara in Sotah, Yud Amidbeis tells us, and we've heard it as children, and because, well, I know it as a kid, it might not make the same true impression that it should upon us. The Gemara tells us, at the end of VaYera, the Torah says, "VaYita Eshal Biver Sheva." Avram Avinu planted an Eshal tree. Some say it means an inn. Watch and VaYikra, he called there. Shem Hashem, kill all he He called there in the name of God. The Gemara says, on the top of Sota Yud Amid Beis. Reishlokas says, don't simply read the word Vayikra, and he called, but Vayakri, as if it is read Vayakri, which means that he caused others to call. And what does that mean? It means that all the passers-by to whom Avram Avinu provided food and drink, afterwards they would say, wow, thank you so much. He would stop and say to them, what do you think? You ate of my food. No, Mishelo ok, Olam You ate from the food of the boss of the world, and therefore, Hodu, the thank, praise, and bless LeMisha Olam. And this is the way Avram Avinu influenced others so much. So listen carefully that Tosvos shants on that Daf teaches that what about people who said no thanks I'd rather not thank him meaning God. So Abraham said okay then pay me for it. And he would charge them an exorbitant amount of money after all providing them with food and drink in the middle of the desert. They said okay okay we'll thank him. The idea being let me talk Shalolishma, even if it was done initially without the best kavana and concentration, that too would lead to a ultimate recognition of Hashem. My friends, don't count yourself, God forbid, in that category. The second category. I have to do it. No, you should realize what a privilege it is to recite Berakha Mazon. The Gemara in Brachos forty-eight B tells us that Berakha Mazon is comprised of four blessings, but it's three plus one. Why do I say it like that? The theme of the first three blessings is biblical, and the theme of the last one is rabbinic. This past week, on Wednesday, it was two Ba'av, and the Gemara tells us that, in terms of the text of the Birkasa HaMazon, especially the fourth bracha, very quickly, the Gemara tells us the first bracha of Hazon Es Olam, that God literally nourishes the world, was composed by Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert when the man came down and nourished the Jewish people. Just as the man was a miraculous nourishment, wow! We take the grain. That grows from the ground for granted. My grandfather had bread, and his grandfather, big deal. But no, the rabbis are teaching us that just as hamotzi lechem min ha is a miracle, wow, so too hamotzi lechem min Oretz is a miracle. So the first bracha, Hashem, thank you for sustaining all, and not only that, bechain bechesed uvarachamim. What does chain mean? Chain means charm. Now what does that mean? I call somebody, I want to know about a certain woman for a shidduch. They say one word. She's got chain. She's got charm. It says a lot about her. What does it mean that Hashem nourishes us? The next time you eat a salad, take a look and tell me what color is the letters and the tomato and the various peppers and all kinds of fruits Hashem could very well have nourished us in black and white, but He nourishes us in living color. Wow. The first bracha, Hazon Hashem nourishes us. Thank you for the food. I'm getting up. No, you're not. Go on to the next bracha. The next bracha is the Birchasa Oretz, Yoshua, when He brought us into the land. Thank you, Hashem, for the land of Israel. What does the land of Israel have to do with the tuna sandwich I might have eaten? And the answer, among the many, is that you should realize that the blessing that we have, thank God, of food in our country and indeed all over the world, comes from Eretz Yisrael. As it says at the end of this week's parsha, right before the second paragraph of the Shema, Eretz, a land, A land that God cares about more. And therefore, once Hashem extends blessing to Israel, He extends it to us as well. And therefore, we thank Hashem because we recognize on a metaphysical level that our blessing comes from Eretz Yisrael. And then we go on to the third bracha, that of Yerushalayim, Binyan Yerushalayim. We ask Hashem to rebuild Yerushalayim. Understanding that the Beis Hamigdash was our place of prayer, our connection with and our receiving of bracha from Hashem. Understand that in your Birkas Hamazon, if you only stop for one moment in the third bracha, do you understand what you're saying? You're saying to Hashem, whoa, please have mercy on... Yisrael Amecha, your people, Yerushalayim Irecha, Zion, Mishkan Kvodecha, the seat of your glory, and Mauchus Beis Dovid Mishichecha. We are praying for Moshiach every time we recite Birkas HaMazon. Just say it a little slower. HaGadol and the Beis Amigdosh. And finally, the fourth bracha of Atova Meitin, and what is that all about? So, as I mentioned earlier, this Wednesday was Tu Ba'av, and the Gemara tells us that after the destruction of the second base Hamikdash, Bar Kochba, seventy years later, led a revolt against the Romans. Unfortunately, we lost that terribly, and there were thousands and thousands of Jews who were dead after the massacre of Bar Kokhba. Now listen carefully. The Romans, Yemach Shemam, were so cruel that they did not allow the Jewish people to bury their dead. So for two and a half years, the bodies were not buried. And so we, when they were finally given to be buried on Tuba'av. The rabbis of Yavna instituted the bracha. HaTov, God is good, that the bodies did not decompose. No disease spread from these bodies. And "Amitiv, he is good, that they were given to burial. What does this have to do with the tuna sandwich? Says the Meshachachma so beautifully. Birkas HaMazon is not just thank you for the food. It's reminding the Jew he's connected to his past and his future. In the desert... In Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, Hashem showed His special relationship with the Jewish people. But after the destruction of the base of Mingtosh, oy, 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 it's all over, right? No! Even then, Hashem performs miracles for us in the Golos. And that's what sustains us. That's what kept our ancestors going these last 2,000 years. And this is what has to maintain us and sustain us and provide us with our destiny. Every time we bench, it's not simply, thank you for the tuna sandwich, but it's Hashem, wow, the privilege I have of being connected to the very special people that you have shown and constantly do show your special providence to us. Your Shabbos meal should take properly an hour and a half, two hours. Don't let the benching take two minutes. I'm not ashamed to say that on Shabbos and Yom Tov, I personally sing the benching so I get to say each and every word. Shabbat shalom to all.
1: Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas, Akiv, New York. You have your candle lighting at 743. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at a A&H. and Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, and their hot dogs are now available at Trader Joe's nationwide. Check out a A&H today. A hearty Mazel Tov to Sarah Gdansky and Moshe on their engagement. Children of Ilana and Jeffrey Gdansky and the Cohen family. First granddaughter to be engaged for Ruby and Coach Bobby Kaplan. All right. Mazel tov to Ruby and Bobby. Nachas and Simcha thrilled for us all. Mazel It's on our app, and we say mazaltov tov uh, to the chas and kala and the extended family from all of us here at the JM in the AM. Boy, oh, boy, great to share wonderful news with everybody. That much I could tell you. Uh, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, tomorrow night it's Rummy and Saturday Night Siegel with um, – Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler uh, Sunday morning 7 a.m. Eastern Time Matis for JM Sunday Thank you Matis Monday morning we're back and of course coming up next is the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem and the Arab Shabbos music mix all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem Stick with us all day long as Mark Zamek says we're the best soundtrack for an Arab Shabbos here at NSN Journeys at JM and the AM the sun is gone. It's shining through the
0: trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job and Cause all your work is done I'm Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say special
2: blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a
0: very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do Spend the day together with the Holy One. Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator is a very special sign. All your work is done
1: Israel and Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at and the Single Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. That does it for an amazing week. Thanks for joining us for Friday, Erev Shabbos here at J.M. And the Mark exomic next with the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, and of course the Erev um, Shabbos music mix later on as well. Great way to uh, enjoy the day on an nerve of Shabbos with us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up Monday. Make sure to join us. And tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Siegel. Sunday morning, it's Matis Live, 7 a.m. Eastern Time with JM Sunday. You can't beat us for amazing music and plenty of great content. Have a great Shabbos. Wonderful weekend until uh, Monday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.